What's up, y'all? My name is Ian Edwards, and welcome to the Soccer Comic Rant. Uh, what, where, how do I even start this thing after what I've witnessed the last two days in football, much less what happened in the Premiership this weekend? It's just been an astounding uh, relay of events. In both leagues, so much crazy shit has happened from uh, Liverpool beating Newcastle, Man City playing, who the hell are they playing? Leicester and Vincent Companies, like 5,000-yard rocket. And then Liverpool down to Barca, three goals in an away game in Champions League and taking them home and really taking them home. and. Uh, now I just watched uh, Spurs dig themselves a hole and climb out of it. And uh, today wasn't yesterday, but it was today. So first, let me just uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. And I'm on the road. I'm doing this from a hotel. So for those of you watching on YouTube, you're just going to get my logo and this voiceover over the logo for the entire podcast. Our sponsors are onthevolleyapparel.com. And if you go to onthevolleyapparel.com, you will find they have tanks, T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts for males and females with hip-hop soccer logo emblems. And they look fly. So go there, use my com- promo code, Comic Rant. Promo code is Comic Rant. You get 20% off. And uh, also, they also have gear there. Like if you have a local team and you want to outfit them to play in tournaments and in games, they got you. So go to onthevolleyapparel.com, use my promo code, Comic Rant, and you'll get 20% off. And uh, this podcast. If you're listening, you're either listening at allthingscomedy.com you've even, you, or you've subscribed at uh, SoundCloud. You subscribed or listen on iTunes and where else? Lipson and Stitcher. I just want to get that all in there. And now, where do I start? Do I start with yesterday's Champions League game or today? Let's start with today's. Spurs versus Ajax, or is it Lucas Mora versus Ajax? And when I bring up Lucas Mora and his hat trick, I want to say Spurs getting Lucas Mora is what is wrong with Man United and their recruitment of players because before Lucas Mora was at Spurs, I used to just watch PSG just to watch him because I used to love the way he played, the style, the flair, and he'd make these amazing runs. If you want to go down a Lucas Mora wormhole, just go on YouTube and just punch in Lucas Mora at PSG and look at these scintillating uh, slicing bread runs that this guy would make. It's like a ballet soccer player with a football 
running through a bunch of knives. And it's just incredible to watch. And so when Spurs got him, I think it was, is it two years now or one and a half years? Like they got him in like a transfer window and it took him like, you know, half a season, maybe more to acclimate. And uh, he's definitely acclimated now though. He's motherfucking acclimated. And for a player like that to be available, especially at a time when Man U needs players or needed players back then and even now, and for them not to like have a pulse on the availability of such talent is a part of what's wrong with Man U. And it, decent price. Decent price. Serge Aurier, another PSG player I used to watch PSG for. We need a backs. He's a back. How did Spurs? What's, Spurs has a pipeline. A, a soccer player pipeline connected from PSG's locker room straight into the fucking Spurs locker room. So they're just you're getting players that PSG has in excess because they have so much talent over there. So anyway, Lucas Mora, the game starts. Spurs needs to win. Do they act like that in the first place? No. Ajax comes out to this game like they're one goal down in the series as opposed to one goal up. And Ajax bombs on Spurs relentlessly. You know, it, it's like one slap, two slap, three slap. Spurs is still not awake. And uh, I, I, it's a good thing there was a halftime break to work to wake Spurs up. And uh, Ajax got two goals and, and two goals that they deserved in the first half. And you're like, like, like you've seen all types of comebacks over this Champions League season. You've seen the Man U PSG. You've seen the Ajax Real Madrid. You've seen the Spurs versus Man City. Like, this has got to be the, the greatest cluster of unbelieving endings ever in one season of Champions League. So, but normally, the turnarounds are in a game. Like, you come to a game down, and then you turn it around from the beginning of the game to the end. Spurs still spots Ajax one half of a game, right? Gives him two goals and says, Lucas Moore, you ready to get us three? And he's like, bet, or however you say it in Brazilian Portuguese. And he gets the first one, comboing with players, just always running, man, always attacking, just always cutting through the middle of the field. Like, if you think about all his goals, right, pretty much in the same area, just either put his back to the goal or forward, just cutting through. Like, like a player can't track him because he's always coming forward. And the first goal was amazing. Just ran through the middle of the field, picked up the pass, put it in the side, just took it off away from Dele Alley, you know, pretty much. Dele Alley was like making moves. Then he comes through, said, I got this. Bam, back of the net. Then the second goal. There's a few things about the second goal. Like, first of all, he was facing his own goal when he scored that goal, right before he scored it. 
Like his back is to the basket. And he has to dribble out of trouble even more away from the direction he really wants to go. And then he has one moment to turn because he created that moment for himself. And ballerina soccer style lashes that shit in the corner of the net. It was mayhem and chaos in that penalty area because Lorente had almost accidentally scored. And I say accidentally scored because I don't know if Lorente knows what he's doing. I just think Trippier just uses him as a target to ping balls off to go into the net. I don't think Lorente is doing as much as Pagetino thinks. I think like Lorente was just a calamity of errors. He did have something to do with the third goal, but he does everything wrong until he does one thing right. And that happened in the Man City game, and it happened in this game. Like He's hitting the post. The ball's banging off him into the keeper. Like All you got to do is, like, oh, Lorente's there. I'll kick the ball on him, off him, into the goal, if you're Trippier or one of the other cornerbacks. So then his attempt failed. Lucas Moura gets the ball after the goalkeeper and his defender, like, messed up the ricochet. And goddamn, Lucas Moura turns, scores. And then everybody's kind of like standing and staring in disbelief as if it really happened, as if it really went in the back of the net. And uh, Lucas Moura gets the signal, runs off celebrating, and none of the Spurs players run to him. This is a huge goal. This is a huge moment. So how come they're not running to him to like undress him and hold him above it? their shoulders and flip him up in the air like a 16-year-old cheerleader. I don't understand that. And then they go to the spot. They wait for the ref to clear everything up. But the only foul is uh, Ajax goalkeeper being fouled by his own player. And the goal stands. And then they back at it. And then the moment when I knew Spurs would win this game was like in the 78th minute when Ajax had a shot on goal. I think the guy, his name starts with Z, already has one, go ZKF or something like that. Hit, beat Loris, hit the post, ball bounces out. And I'm like, oh, it's one of those games where if you don't score the goal that hit the post, you lose that shit. So Ajax is trying to kill time. Ref adds on five minutes. And uh, boy, the Spurs make use of that five minutes. I mean, relentless attacks, and they endured some attacks from Ajax, and Ajax starts putting on every defender that they have on the field, and Spurs is just... I, I know Spurs was basically fueled by the performance of Liverpool the day before, because they're like, shit, we're only down one. And it's an away goal, but it's just one. We have a we score one here, we're even. We score more than one, we're ahead. So they're like, shit, if Liverpool can stop a Barca team from scoring and score four, we can beat Ajax. They don't got Messi. And Lucas Moore just keeps on running like the ball is moving, Lorente taps the ball to goddamn. Fucking 
Daly Alley, Daly Alley, out of the corner of his eye. This is a typical Daly Alley pass. It's just a little touch. Like he's he never likes to stay on the ball a lot. It's just these little touches. Like he's like a he's like a he's like it's like playing soccer with a wall. You know? Yeah, you hit it off the wall. It's like he's like a pool table wall. You know, he you just hit it off the wall to get it in the corner pocket to get the ricochet that you want. And he taps it just like, fuck it. This is all I got. This guy's on me. Tap and streaking ass Lucas Mora runs. Very great, amazing close control. Takes the ball. Bam. Back in the net. And even the defender got a foot on it too, but it still was hit hard enough with enough precision to continue into the corner beyond the... It was Onana, I think, is the Ajax keeper's name. And nah, 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 bro. You could not get to that ball. And in the 80, in the 95th minute, one second after the 95th minute, Spurs win that game. And they are in the Champions League final. Which is what my annoying friend Martin Harris said. He said they'd win the Champions League. I don't think they're going to win the Champions League. And I don't want them to win the Champions League. But they are in the final. So congrats, Martin. And any Spurs fans out there. And you're within every right to be out of your fucking minds right now. And this was, and this was just icing on an amazing cake. That was baked by Liverpool yesterday. Because yesterday was the game of games. Like, it's blasphemous, and people are saying it, and I kind of agree with the blasphemy to say that the win yesterday by man by Liverpool, sorry, I'm Freudian slip, by Liverpool to over Barcelona, that win over Barcelona by Liverpool. Uh, Maybe it's because it's been a while and the effect of Istanbul has worn off. But last night felt better than Istanbul. It felt more amazing than Istanbul. the, The whole vibe was Istanbul times nine, you know? And Istanbul... Gave you a trophy, and Liverpool's win yesterday against Barca didn't. It just put them in the final. But man, you know, I mean, you're playing Barcelona at home. They just beat you three nothing at home. So they what they do is scoring. Scoring is what they do. So you're like now they they scored three at home. They're gonna come to Liverpool. Any away goal they get. Or goals, which is more their thing. Goals, not goal. Scoring goals. Any away goal they get, it's a wrap for Liverpool. But Liverpool turned up, man. They just turned up. like, And then Liverpool won with no Salah, no Firmino, two of their best players. And Spurs won with no Harry Kane. And the key... For all the teams who want to make it, if you ever want to make it 
to a Champions League final. You have to lose the first leg and lose your top scorers. That's the only way you're getting in this shit. Like Barcelona should have showed up without Messi and lost in the first leg if they wanted to make it to the Champions League final this year. Because look at the two teams in it. No Firmino, no Salah, no Harry Kane for uh, Spurs. I think there were more players out for Spurs too. So You have to enter this situation with a depleted squad. Like every inch of your back has to be pressed against the wall for you to get the results that you need. And uh, so Liverpool, man, yesterday, you know, they pulled off something that made me so jealous. Like I saw a lot of things out there. I saw a team, including the players on the bench and on the field. I saw people trying, 179,000% just trying. Like, they scored the first goal. Henderson had a lot to do with it. And he took a shot after his, he streaked through the middle and got a pass. And, uh, and then Origi put it away. Origi, who's just been like, if you watch him play, you're like, I even said it, I think, on the last podcast. Like, this guy don't belong in these colors. But he's had, like... <sighs> Oh, an alternative season, like an alt player, like that goal that was a complete accident by the Everton goalkeeper Pickford in the in that derby. That goal, which is why they're in contention right now for the Premiership title right now, and then this weekend he he scored the winning goal against Newcastle. And then he gets two goals in an an uphill semifinal. And this guy, I don't think they signed him again because they don't believe in him. So I think he's out of contract after the season. But I think they might have to rethink it. Like they owe him something, especially if they win the Champions League, which they have the best chance of winning. So which might be dangerous because if they're the odds-on favorite, you're going to lose because your back has to be, every inch of your back has to be pressed against the wall or you're going to lose. So in a reverse way, Liverpool has the upper hand. But then, yeah, just Liverpool's effort yesterday, I was just jealous of it. I want to see that effort from Man U players, like all out heart-to-heart every game. And that's how Liverpool's played the whole season. They have the youth to do it. And then... To back that up with skill, to play at that speed, that intensity, with skill against a team that is so skillful. And then when you lose the ball, not give up. Keep moving. Keep fighting. It's just, it's just another beautiful part of the game. It's almost as beautiful as watching somebody with skill. Like their desire to tackle and win the ball back is as beautiful as watching Messi dribble through an entire defense and score. And so, and then Messi, they just had him on lock. Like somebody losing, somebody would pick him up. It was just like, work, work, work. Let's, let's, let's stay on this dude. Let's take the ball. Like at the end of the game, there's a play where Messi, Fabinho took the ball from him and 
Messi had to chase him to get it back and fouled him. Like, it's just work. You know, just work, bro. And Trent Alexander-Arnold, man. Like, first, uh, the other back, Roberts, gets hurt. And that's the thing. So I'm watching the game. Let me just go back a little bit. Watching the game, and I see, I see that Trent, that Roberts gets hurt. So then Milner was already on the field, and they take Wijnaldum and put him in the game. He was on the bench, take Roberts out, slide Milner back, and they just keep up the relentlessness. And I was worried, even after Liverpool scored the first goal, that they were just, at one point in the game, in the first half, just chasing the ball, chasing the ball. Said, oh, this is a great strategy by Barca. Uh, Liverpool is going to tire himself out. And in the second half, or at some point in this game, when Liverpool can't chase anymore, and the game, if the game just stays at 1-0, Barca can get another goal and just wrap this thing up. And I, I was like, because I was like, I was worried. Like, you have to chase them, but there's no way you can keep chasing like that. But the good thing about Liverpool is that they have a, an abundance of midfielders. So it's like, whenever you have a team like that, and I've seen other teams have like an abundance, I can't even say abundance, an abundance of midfielders. You just have to like play your three midfielders or however many you got and then sub them out and put in the next group of midfielders, especially when they all have the same amount of talent. At least you can like Red Bull, Red Bull your energy levels back up to a thousand by just putting in the same uh, the, the new fresh midfielders to keep the intensity and keep tightening the screws. And uh, so when Aldum comes in, he scores one. Then he scores a header, which is crazy because what is that short ass taller than a little person, a little bit taller than a little person guy doing rising like a phoenix above those Barcelona defenders to head the ball in the back of the net. So then it's 3-3. Three, three. And I'm like, this is not over. There's 20 minutes left. You're still the underdogs. This is still not a good situation for you, Liverpool. And I'm like, biting my nails, not the ones on my fingers, the ones I've already bitten off and spit out on the bed. I'm biting those. I'm like, man, like, you're still in trouble. Imagine that. You're 3-0 up and you're still in trouble because the other team is Barcelona and they got a Messi. They're the only team in the world with a Messi. So then I'm like, shit. Trying not to curse so I can get my, my, my listens and my views up on YouTube, but Klopp had to curse. And he's a professional. He's getting paid not to. That's how emotional this shit is. And so uh, then they get the corner, which was a play that Trent Alexander-Arnold fought for. Well, I can't remember how they got the corner. Let's just say that. But they get the corner. All I know is everybody's setting up. Trent Alexander walks away. 
and Shakiri is coming to take the corner, which is great because if Barcelona watched the game on the weekend, they saw Shakiri take a free kick that Trent Alexander-Arnold was going to take. They saw uh, Van Dyke demand that Shakiri take that in-swinger kick, which is great. So Shakiri's walking towards the ball to take the free kick. Barcelona defense is looking at him. They think they got plenty of time. He's far from the ball. And then Trent Alexander-Arnold, fucking genius, out the corner of his eye, sees Origi and takes a chance. He took a chance. Like, it could have been, like, an embarrassing moment. It, it could have been, like, everybody could have looked at him like, what? What are you doing, lad? And there's all this pressure. It's one thing to have an idea what to do, but it's another level to execute that idea with pinpoint precision, especially when it's not a planned idea. It's improvisation. Meanwhile, you're hoping that there's a certain amount of telepathy, that telepathy that the other player picks up and reads and uh, sinks in and acts with you, and then he has to, once he gets an idea, he has to execute, he has to get back to the ball, and he has to get that pass, and decide how he's going to get it to Origi. He decided to get it low, and hard, and fizz it in, but it has to be done accurately. And then Origi, who has not exactly been Mr. Uh, Precision himself, taps it in as if he's scored 20 goals the entire season. As if he's been leaking goals. As if he's been like, I score all the time. It's what I do. Just pass the ball to me awkwardly, hard and low, with the defender on me, and I could put that in the net. I could do that all day. That's what I do. You don't, but you did it. And as if, if the place hadn't erupted already, it was, I don't know how that stadium is still there. Because if I was there, I would have lit that bitch on fire. And I'm not even a Liverpool fan. It's just one of the greatest things my eyes has seen out of all the greatest things I've seen recently. It's so amazing, man. Like, so amazing. And on the Barcelona side, here's the deal. And somebody said this. They basically got outplayed at the new camp. They did. But they scored three goals. So they got outplayed at Liverpool. And Liverpool got the goals. And so if you measure both games together, Liverpool played better through both games. They were... They were not, ex- if you look at both games, but especially the first one, the way Liverpool played, they created chances, but they did not score. They might have been the, fa- the favorites, the biggest favorites to be looked at as underdogs in a game ever. And that's the Champions League. So. The Champions League final 
will be between two teams from the best league in the world, the Premiership. The final will be between Liverpool and Spurs. Congratulations to both of y'all. You did your motherfucking thing. And uh, let's move on to the Premiership. And so let's go down the Premiership table. And uh, Man City, Monday, you did your goddamn thing. You, first of all, you pinned, in the first half, Leicester shared the game with you. They attacked you, you attacked them. And I don't know what Pep said in the second half. The second half, you're like, let's pin these assholes down until we, until they give us what we want. And they pinned Leicester in their half. I think Leicester got out of that half maybe three times. And they were three dangerous times, but it was only probably three times. And uh, and all I can say is that company goal. Let's just get right to that. Like, from nowhere on the field, with no right, without a pilot's license, or ever operating a drone, this guy took a shot that even the best professionals in the world who score goals like that would be like, how did he do that? And a guy who has no contract, it's probably going to be his last year because he's it's an older guy in football, you know, stand by football standards. And, and the people who operate Man City, they're kind of ruthless. They're bottom line businessmen. You, you, and the company's always injured and they feel like, yeah, we've, yeah, he, we, he's still been with us. We still let him play. You know, we gave him chances, but he's just an injury prone player. And, uh, yeah, they won. They won. They, they stormed the walls again. You know, they, 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 they withstood all the catapults from the castle walls and they got in there and they surrendered Leicester and they have 95 points at the top of the table. And right behind them is Liverpool who has such a crazy hectic schedule and, uh, and Liverpool had to play Newcastle. And like I mentioned before, you know, goals by Origi. Salah got injured that game. Uh, I think it's Firmino play. No, Firmino, I think. And uh, it's, it's, it's almost been a, so long of a three days that I can't remember all the scorers from the Liverpool game because I just saw a bunch of scorers yesterday score goals. But they won. They beat Newcastle 3-2. Like, uh, Benitez did not give them an easy time down there. They Liverpool scored. And then Newcastle scored. And then Liverpool says, all right, they scored again. All right, cool, we got this. And then, goddamn, they come back. Newcastle scores again. And Liverpool's like, yo, what the f- Hey, man, you're, we're, we're trying to win a title here. You guys have already qualified. What are you doing? And then it goes down again to the last minutes, milli minutes of the game. That's Shakiri Koros to come through. And Origi, I do this. I can do this all day. 
puts it a header in the back of the net. And uh, they're just a team, man. I, I, I think what's beautiful about Liverpool is just, just team spirit. Like everybody wishes they were in a family or belong to a group or organization, a team, uh, just like these guys display. And if you go back to the Champions League, the way the fans serenaded them off the field, they stood in front of the fans and they sang, we'll never walk alone. You'll never walk alone. And uh, I, I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I felt the warmth of that. And that has to be an amazing feeling for the fans and for the players. Salah, you know, just everybody, man. Hats off. You got 94 points and you have to win this weekend to win the premiership. So here's the dilemma. You're in the Champions League final. You're club. Do you rest Salah this weekend in that game against Wolves, who is a tough fucking team, and risk your chance to win the league when Man City might win anyway? But the only way you can be sure that you can win is if you play your top players? Or do you say, let me play my healthy players and let my unhealthy players get better for the Champions League final? So, because we have a better chance of winning that. Do you play your unfit players and risk their health for the Champions League finals to win the league? Or do you rest them so that they can be fit for the Champions League final and put all your shekels in that arena? Or do you go for both and risk it all? Risk losing both. I'm glad I'm not clap. Good luck making your decisions this week. All right, to Chelsea. They're third. They got 71 points. They leaped over Tottenham after they beat Watford, a good Watford team. Watford is like one of the best of the rest teams in the league. And, uh, yeah, yeah they, they, they handled their business. Second half, it's all tied up 0-0. And then a different Chelsea came out second half. And then they won. And this same Chelsea team, I think they play tomorrow in Europa League. So they have a chance to get to the Europa League final. So it's between Arsenal and Chelsea. Both have a chance to get to the Europa League final. So solidifying tomorrow, the Premiership can solidify that they are the best league in the world. If they have the two finalists in the Champions League and the two finalists in the Europa League. So go on, Chelsea. I like my team. If my team is going to lose, Manu, I want them to be losers in the best league in the world. I don't want them to be losers in the second best league in the world. Or else I'm like, why the fuck aren't you winning this league? You better be losing to the best if you're going to be losing to anybody. You can't be just losing to the mediocre motherfuckers. So that's why I'm rooting for Chelsea and Arsenal. It makes my losing, it eases the pain of my losing. At least I know I'm losing to the best and not people we should be beating. So Chelsea, they have to play tomorrow. They have 71 points. 
They beat Watford 3 nothing, and they are in third. Tottenham, debacle this weekend against Bournemouth. And, uh, man, they went down to Bournemouth and uh, did the complete opposite of what they did today. They imploded at they committed suicide. It was yeah at at a Bournemouth. Son lost his head after it, he committed a foul and was trying to pick up the ball. And a Bournemouth player, I think his name is Lamar or Sasso the L, tried to kick the ball to get it back. Son felt like the dude kicked his hand and he touched his face. You can't touch somebody's face. That's not your teammate in a violent manner in soccer. That's a red. You get sent off. Spurs goes down a man. They put in the sub. They put in Foyt. Uh, and, uh, okay, they put in Foyt. And uh, they're playing with 10 men. Foyt, two minutes into his his uh, duties for the day, is dribbling out of the back. He's doing pretty good. Bournemouth players got pressure on him. He over dribbles, then ball gets ahead of him. He tries to like get it back or not lose it completely by sliding, studs up, hits the Bournemouth player, second red card, they're down to nine men. And Bournemouth, a very a team that was being shellacked. Like in the beginning of the game, uh, what is the name of the of the uh, I got a fire of Travers, Travers goalkeeper, yeah four, yeah Travers, nineteen years old, nineteen years old goalkeeper for Bournemouth first game in the Premiership, and he was a player of the match, saved goals from everybody, saved goals from uh from from fans. He's just saving everywhere. But he was player of the match, had an amazing game. But it's funny how things change fast. And now Ajax knows that. Because they were the team that changed things fast for everybody and their shit got changed in the second half. But the reason why I say it's funny how things change fast because Travers, in the beginning of the game, Lucas Mora retrieved the ball from a Bournemouth player after one of his teammates tackled that Bournemouth player and took a half-field shot that barely missed the goal, which caught Travis off his travelers, off his line. And he could have started his first game in goal as a highlight reel blooper for Lucas Moore. But luckily that ball did not go in. And then after that, he went on to have one of the greatest goalkeeper first game goalkeeper matches. He had a messy, if Messi was a goalkeeper style goalkeeping match performance. Saved everything. I only hope he saves his football money like that so that when he retires, he's still got some. Great saver. I need to learn how to save like that. Stop spending money. That's an amazing saver. So he was a player of the match, saved all the goals. And then now that Spurs were down, 
two men, changed the game around. Bournemouth pressured him, pressured him in the second half, pressured him. And they went down to the last minute again. So many buzzer beaters in a, in a sport that doesn't have buzzer beaters. Buzzer beaters is for basketball. But soccer has been like the home of the buzzer beater lately. And Nathan Aki, again, last cross of the game. Header, goal, place goes bananas. And Spurs, it's like, they did it again. They imploded again. But to be fair, as I noticed last week, uh, you know, your players, you know, Pochettino is a good coach. So your players know what you're really coaching them for. And Pochettino is not concerned about the Premier League right now. He has been since last week. You could tell by the substitutions when they weren't going to win the game last week that he didn't care. He was saving his players for Champions League. And the same mentality of coaching a premiership game, it was there this week. He's focused on the Champions League. And thank God they came through and won today because they threw away a lot of games leading up to this series in the Champions League. So Spurs wins. Spurs loses. But they win in the Champions League, which is what they were all focused on because that's what their coach put their focus on. So you get what you want subconsciously or consciously in this life. That's what Pagetino wanted. You could tell by his tears today. He cried like he won the final. I don't think he has any tears left if he wins the final of the Champions League because he cried like, like what a relief off this guy's back. But that also shows that there's, that's why I don't believe Spurs is going to win the Champions League final because Pagetino cried today like he won the final and it's just the semifinal. And this was too much of a big deal for you. Like you have to be, if you're a coach, you kind of have to be beyond these moments so you could level out your players and take them mentally where you you need to take them. Like the way Klopp is in such a difficult situation because his team lost the lead of the premiership to Man City and Pep. And it's like, now it's a salvaging job. And salvaging jobs are not easy. But he, you know, looked at the big picture explained it in a way to his players that they could grasp it. And now it's like he's just making the most out of what you have. Just because you didn't get ex- you were up in the league seven points, you kind of blew that, threw that away. But guys, let's look at this. We could still win. And so let's focus and just do the things that we need to do and let the world take care of itself. And that's what we all need to do. Do the things that we need to do, not look at everybody else, and everything will work out fine. And that's what Klopp philosophically, I think, has instilled in his players, and that's why they're in the position they are right now. And uh, I don't think Pagetina has gotten to that level yet. So we'll see. Arsenal is fifth. I had to look back again and see what they did, but they had a tie with Brighton Hove. 1-1. One, one. 
So they drop points. They still don't want to be in the Champions League. So, and then Man United, we drew against the worst team in probably Premiership history. We drew against a team with the worst record in Premiership history. We're amazing. And again, I'm hearing Gary Neville saying stuff and I'm hearing people say something. You can't blame Pogba for this. You know, like he hit the post twice. He also set up some of his teammates to put away some goals that they didn't. Every time we win, we lose or not win. We cannot blame Pogba. He won't stay. There's, you need players of his caliber next to him. And that's just period. It's just period. Like, we haven't bought the right people, the right players, the right personnel since since uh, Fergie left. And when Fergie was there, the roster was shitty anyway, but he won regardless. Yes, we need to put in amazing shifts. Like I said, I'm jealous of Liverpool. I'm jealous of Man City because their effort levels. Like, like I think if I looked at the Man U heat map from this game, my hands would freeze to death because it'd be so cold. Like, there was no heat on our heat map. Like we, we had the game, we scored one, and we were doing the things we needed to do to win. And then we didn't keep the intensity up, and they started to relax and created intensity on us. And we didn't respond, and they got cocky, and they got ballsy, and then they got their goal, and then we dropped points. And now we are playing in the Europa League, next year so and which is it's hard to keep Pogba when you're in the Europa League you have to you know it's not his fault bro other people have to step up we have bad defense bad midfield and I believe in our forwards but they're still young Let's move on to Wolves, who are uh, the uh, professionals. They handle their business. They're seventh. They have 57 points. And I heard players like, you know, ex-players saying, you know, Wolves plays, you know, better than Man U. And, you know, look at Wolves. We, like, we, we're behind Wolves. We're not behind Wolves. I know what you're saying when you say we're behind Wolves. But listen, if Man U had, was in seventh, I had 57 points like Wolves, you wouldn't be complimenting Man U. So Man U's ahead of Wolves. You can't say Wolves is better than Man U. We are nine points ahead of Wolves. You, you, you guys are very re- emotional. You're reacting very emotional. Wolves is not a better team. They are not ahead of us. Wolves is doing great for Wolves. They are not doing great for Man U. So let's not get it twisted or carried away. All right? Let's not get it twisted or carried away. All right? Relax. Wolves is doing great for a team named Wolves. And that's all they're doing great for. They're doing great for Everton, who's eighth. With 53 points, they're doing great for a Leicester, 
who's ninth with 51 points. Leicester gave it the old good college try against Man City. But hey, man, thanks for being the first line of defense. Thanks for being the wildlings out there beyond the wall, the first people to encounter the White Walkers. But you were defeated, bro. Yeah. Your bodies, Man City added your bodies to their ranks to try to win the title this Sunday. Watford, man, I thought you were going to put up as good of a fight as you did in the first half, in the second half against Chelsea, but you failed, so now you drop all three points. You're 10th, you got 50 points. But still a good season for Watford, and they have a chance to catch Everton. Jump over Leicester next week. See it depending on how it goes. Who does... Who does... Uh, let me see who who plays who next week. See if this thing pops up. This uh, Premier League site has not exactly been working as precise as it used to work. It used to work amazing. Now you click on things. It doesn't take you to where... You want it to take you. So I can't always see. So let me let me let me go here. Look at this this way. Uh, it, the, the internet is uh banging here at the uh, Bogota Hotel. So next week, Man United play Cardiff. Southampton plays Huddersfield. Bye bye Huddersfield. Fulham plays. Newcastle, bye-bye Fulham. Uh, Crystal Palace plays Bournemouth. Arsenal plays Burnley. So Burnley might try to win that. Burnley might try to win that. Man City Prize plays Brighton Hove. And to be honest, Brighton Hove is like a one degree below Burnley as far as like the trouble that they can cause you and the pain in the ass, the way they could bug you. So they have a decent chance of doing something against Man City, but not really. But yes, they kind of do. Like, I wouldn't sleep on that match. And then the Liverpool versus Wolves match, it's like, we all know what Wolves is. They are there's a handful. They beat top teams. That's what they do. They're assholes. They're going to bring it to Liverpool. And, uh, but that Liverpool team, man, they're either going to be drained or enthused. And I hope they're enthused. And I hope no matter whoever they put on the field, they can win this week. And Watford places West Ham. That's a great game because it's two teams around the same place in the table. And it's like, hey, let's show out on each other. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they both want to be ahead of each other. And they both, like, I think overall West Ham is a better team and next year West Ham will have like more of an identity, you know, even though Watford has an identity, but Watford has a, West Ham had a lot of injuries this year. So they, and I'd really watch out for them next year. They got a good coach, you know, like Jack Wilshire made an appearance the other day. And you're like, Oh, I forgot they had him. Tottenham versus Everton. That's going to be tough for Tottenham. But Argentina don't give a fuck. He's going to be focused on the Champions League final. So let me go back 
to the table, just continue down. And uh, like I said, West Ham is 11th, right behind Watford. And uh, Crystal Palace is 12th. 46 points. Uh, saying Crystal Palace is 12th sounds high for them based on the fact that it felt like the most of the season they were at the bottom of the table and fighting and scrapping not to drown and get pulled below the surface and have the water above their head. And here, with one game left, to say out loud, with one game left in the season, they are 12th. Sounds pretty high. It is not indicative of how most of the season went for them. But, you know, it's where you are at the end of the season that counts. And some seed teams have, don't have the season that reflects the points at the end of the season. And Crystal Palace is one of them. Bournemouth, they're 13th. Like, they struggled. They were hovering around the relegation zone. But they're 13th. They have 45 points. They're right behind Crystal Palace. Newcastle, another team. They're in 14th. And uh, they have 42 points. And they lost to Liverpool last weekend, as expected. But they, they gave trouble. And then Burnley, they're 15th. And based on the year they had last year, it took them like three quarters of the season to get their shit together. And they have 40 points there in 15th place. Like next year, they have to fix their mindset because they can't take chances like this again. They almost got relegated. Southampton, they are in 16th place. They got 38 points. Who do they play next week again? Let me see. Who does Southampton play? Southampton play Huddersfield, the worst team in Premier League history. So it might not be the worst team in Premier League history, but worst team I've seen points-wise. And uh, But they weren't that bad when they played Man U this weekend, son of a bitches. So anyway, fuck them. But Southampton, you got a chance to have a 41-point season. Go for it. Why not? Get them points. The, because hey, you embarrassed yourself this weekend, I think, against West Ham. You didn't do shit. So do something. You, you rested last weekend. So you use, your, you, you use your rest. Earn that rest from last weekend, this weekend. Help make my friend Lee happy. And by the way, my homeboy Lee will be on my podcast this Monday. This Monday, coming up, the podcast is going to have like five people in the studio. And it's like, it's... We're going to be talking about what happened on Sunday, which is the final game of the season. It's round 38, and we'll be talking about who won, how they won, the mathematics of it all, and also the possibility that there's a possibility, a slight possibility that Man City and Liverpool could end up with the same amount of points and goal difference and might have to play a playoff game against each other. and that my friends, would be phenomenal. So hopefully we're discussing that scenario on Monday. And Brighton Hove is 17th. They're safe. They have 36 points. And they're like treading water above everybody who is submerged below them and are going down. Cardiff, sorry, cuz, I love you. Great year in the premiership. Hope the experience makes you and your team better players, and you will be back. You're young. You have ability. Love you, Kadeem. And uh, 31 points for Cardiff. 
Fulham is in 19th place. They have 26 points. And Huddersfield is in 20th place with 15 points. Jesus. And that's the podcast. So this podcast is going to keep going. I got Champions League, FA Cup next week. And then maybe I'll cover some of the Women's World Cup over the holiday. But keep listening. Name is Ian Edwards. Follow me on Instagram. Some people hit me up on Instagram or Twitter and ask me questions. So at Ian Edwards Comic on Instagram and on and on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, what else? Follow me on YouTube at Ian Saka Comic Rant Edwards. I'll just type in Ian Edwards. I got a YouTube page where I'll post my the visual the video of the podcast and uh check out my album 100% half-assed it's on soundcloud no it's not on soundcloud it's on itunes spotify cd baby and a bunch of places you can listen to it on on your streaming platforms and uh yeah and i got a special coming out was produced by bill burr so i will announce when that's coming out, I'm in Atlantic City right now doing a Bogota for the rest of the week. So come through shows at nine o'clock. Me and DC Benny and Mark. Forgot Mark's last name for a quick second. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be too lazy to look it up. But I love y'all. Thanks for listening. This has been euphoric and amazing fucking football, man. Love it.